did you DM? That was that around DM in 2012? Was, did you slide were there into DMs the D- exchanged? The, 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 uh, D- right. the, D- the DM was was July 2012. <laughs> okay, and yeah. it was like, hey, we should probably like talk about what's going yeah, on in Augusta. Yeah. Let's have lunch. Welcome, everybody. Today is Sunday, May 31st, and we have a pretty exciting conversation for you guys. I mean, part of the speaking circuit was was people looking at Augusta, right, and seeing the clubhouse and thinking, like, how do we do that in our city? Like, right when the shelter-in-place first hit, the, the first post that I made online was, this is the moment we were built for, just because this is, this is, this is when entrepreneurship um, really thrives in a country because like in, in all sincerity, one of our biggest challenges to growing entrepreneurship in Augusta over the last few years has been that the economy has been so good that people don't want to leave their six figure cybersecurity jobs to go start a scrappy bootstrapped, you know, tech startup. Um, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense for your own economic security. But, um, but right now it's kind of like, what else are you going to do? Like, what problem do you see out there in the world? And and then, you know, what we want to do is really try to help you vet whether there's customers for that idea and help connect you to the talent so that you can build it. This week, what is the Clubhouse? We speak to two visionaries that are working to bring Silicon Valley to Augusta. I'll basically take you from... Um, me riding a bike all over Augusta through Super Happy Block Party, the White House, and the Clubhouse. We sat down with Eric Parker and Grace Belangia at Augusta Podcast Studio, and we hope you enjoy this enlightening conversation. I'm Chris. <laughs> hey guys, I'm David. And uh, sorry, we've been having a conversation rolling, and now we've decided to press record. Yeah, but, you just uh, hit me with that real quick. Yeah, uh, we're Drop the Disc podcast, and we have some awesome guests, two guests today that we are going to introduce in just a minute. But before right. we do that, we we really need to do a quick shout out for uh, Nancy Powell. Absolutely, she is. Uh, if y'all been with us, she's she has been our real estate associate broker before, and now she is a real estate broker of her own business, Powell and Associates, right downtown um, in the news building. And uh, we're super excited. She will sell your house. She will help you purchase a house. And she has done just that for both David and I. Right. Um, I'm now happily living in my first home in Montclair, and I love it. There's a lot of work on the outside, but it's a great home, and we're very excited to be in it. And we could not be there without Nancy. Right. And and we're going to talk um, a lot today about private businesses, privately owned businesses, people that make something of themselves. And, you know, we're trying to do that here in our studio and Nancy's doing that all over Augusta. And right. so shout out to her. We love that. And I, I didn't say it, but she is our 2020 presenting sponsor. She Is this episode presented by Nancy Powell? They all are. They all are. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. Thank uh, you, Nancy. Yes. <laughs> they, thank you're you. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. So, so the voices that you just heard are, we have... Grace Belangia. And Eric Parker. And y'all are? Okay. Three, two, one. The, the Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Ooh, that was great. 
<laughs> that was good. So thank you guys for joining us today. This is not a traditional recording. We're actually recording middle of the day on a Wednesday. Um, yes. So you guys are pretty busy right now, I'm guessing, right? A little yeah. bit. Yeah. We, uh, we got a lot of things going on, you know, with the end of the month, summer beginning. We got some things we're launching. So we're excited to share it with your audience. And pre or in mid-COVID-19. Mid, yeah. I would yeah, say I never mid. realized that a pandemic was going to mean that I work more hours than I ever did before. <laughs> You're in the small, the small group of people that that applies to, I'm sure. Yeah, right. I, I should feel fortunate for that, I suppose. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so, y'all been doing a lot in the community. We're really excited about talking about that later. So before we do that, though, what we love to do is dive into y'all's background a little bit. Um, you guys are at the forefront of this kind of Silicon Valley comparison that always happens in Augusta with... Uh, entrepreneurship and and really tech um, just in general in the city. How did that start for you guys? Mm. I'm going to let Eric start because this is this is really the gig that he planted the seed for. Okay, born and raised here, and then I'll I'll come in on the back end and okay. share yeah. share my contribution. Okay, so I guess the question is how far into the origin do I begin? Okay, so you're from you're from Augusta. I am from Augusta. High yes. school. Uh, Lakeside High School. Lakeside High School. Okay. So you went to the same school as Coco Rubio and Deke Copenhaver, probably in a similar time. Is is that right? Uh, Yeah, I graduated in 93. So my freshman year was the year the school opened. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's pretty cool. And dates me a little bit. (laughs) In college? Uh, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Okay. Okay. And then you moved back. Yeah. Well, after I moved to California for about a decade. And so really, you know, my story was that... um, I think like a lot of people in Augusta, um, this seemed like a place when I turned 18 that I had to run away from as fast as possible so that I could chase some opportunity. Uh, I got my degree in architecture at Georgia Tech. I moved to Silicon Valley and I started my own architecture firm there. And um, things went really, really well with with that firm. Um, A lot of big clients. um, But in 2008, when the market crashed, it basically took an entire firm of people that I had built and every single client that we had in the span of one week put their project on hold. Mm. Is, is there like a project you're most proud of? Uh, yeah. Um, my first one when I started my firm was the headquarters for the Electric Power Research Institute. The Electric Power Research Institute was dealing with a cultural problem as an organization um, where they had built this eight building campus in a research park um, next to Stanford University and everybody was spread out. Um, Culturally, it had just been diminishing since its founder had created the company. And, um, and they were trying to figure out how do we, how do we bring our people closer together as well? So we decided to use alternating current and Tesla's work as this architectural metaphor that went throughout the entire building. And so we used the 60 hertz frequency of power as this proportioning mechanism within the building itself. And we designed the building to mimic the the idea of a generator and transmission lines and transformers where you step up and down the circulation system like you would step up and down power. Wow. Wow. And this was in... In that California. Was, yeah, California. that was in California. Okay. Do you have a picture of this? Yeah, yeah. It's I would on, love to share this on Instagram or something. Like, I would love to show people what you... Yeah, what you, you, so um, I still have my architecture website out there in the world. Yes, it's what is the website? Konima, C-O-N-I-M-A dot com. Okay. And so you can check out that as well as I, I did um, all the work for Mercedes-Benz Research and Development for about a decade. So it, I did their advanced design center in wow. Southern California. Wow. Uh, their fuel cell research labs in Northern California. So a lot of stuff like that. Okay. 
So we, we went off on that tangent, but yeah. I think it was definitely worth doing. Definitely worth doing. So, so 2008, 2008, things get difficult. Yeah, yeah. So every single client I had put their project on hold, and I just thought, holy hell, what do I do now? Um, and so I kept the firm going uh, for about two years before I realized, like, I need to take my chips off the table and, okay. and leave Silicon Valley. And so... Um, really searched everywhere, like, where should, where should I move? Um, and then, you know, we, as a family, we looked back at Augusta and we thought, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of potential in this town. And, you know, I still have a network of people that I know from growing up and the school systems, you know, were good and we had young kids and we're thinking that that'll work out. And, um, and it's funny, my only condition was I had to have a house with a pool and (laughs) I did, I didn't want to see my neighbor. (laughs) i bought a house in Evans for less than the down payment of a house in California. <laughs> Holy so moly. It, it was, that it was puts great that in perspective a lot. Yeah, no, it, it, so you definitely felt wealthier when you moved back right. to this area. And, um, but anyway, so like what happened when I moved back was that, um, immediately, like one of the primary motivators for me is being close to my family, but my mother passed away unexpectedly within a few months of, of moving back here. And so I, you know, coming back to Augusta, I was kind of like, okay, um, my business is in the toilet. My mother's dead. I'm on the other side of the country. I don't know what to do. And so I actually took a whole year off as a sabbatical, um, and just really got to know Augusta. So I would ride a bike from Evans all the way down the canal, um, through downtown and just explore the whole city every day and then ride my bike back up. Wow. So, so let's pause you, let's pause you right there. Let's go to Grace. So We've kind of done the birth to 2009, 10-ish for Eric. Um, Grace, you're not from Augusta. No, no. So I'm actually um, from Silicon Valley. I actually grew up in Palo Alto and, um, you know, was friends with people whose parents were starting companies and Mm -hmm. working at Stanford and integrated into Hewlett-Packard and Microsoft. I mean, this is all like pre-Google, pre-Facebook. And so I grew up in in what I call a culture of innovation, taking computer science classes, um, realizing I didn't really think that I wanted to work for a software tech tech company per se. I, uh, I went to UCLA. I was a political science major and, and really, um, I did, I did work at Hewlett Packard one summer and it was the summer of my junior year and, and realized that I thought, you know, selling computer products and, and, and those kinds of things wasn't really in my skill set. But what I enjoyed was the community. I enjoyed the kinds of people that mm-hmm. were taking those risks right. and doing innovation and, 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 and the things that, that went along with bringing people together. And so a lot of times when I was in college, I look back now and I think the things that really pinged my interest were all of the, the, the things that people were doing that nobody else was doing. And so it could be certain kinds of events. It was um, people from different nationalities, different cultures, different parts of the country, and just constantly sort of bringing them all together in a way. And, I, and it, it navigated towards a lot more of like strategy of marketing and public relations and event planning. And so after college, I moved back home and um, went to graduate school, and I got my master's degree in communications and public relations. And during that time, I got married and basically moved to Augusta. My husband's business was here, not really knowing a lot about the South, not really knowing the the, the differences on living in the West Coast versus Mm -hmm. living in the Southeast. 
and um, started working here, worked for the Convention and Visitors Bureau right about the time that the Olympics were happening in Atlanta. Okay. And so there was okay. a lot of momentum, a yeah. lot of motivation, a lot of um, new eyeballs kind of mm-hmm. looking at the city, was really involved with the Sports Council, and um, started to sort of see the energy of what was happening here. And a lot of it was geared towards, again, a continuation of community building. How do you bring people together? How do you bring interesting people together to do new and different things? And when I was in Palo Alto, after I had um, graduated, I had actually done event planning for the city of Palo Alto. And it was, um, it was underwritten by you know taxes, basically. It, right. was, it was a public service. So it was similar to what you might see downtown here, like some of the parks and the amphitheaters. Mm-hmm. And so coming to Augusta, you know, I really channeled those kinds of skill sets for myself with the community and what that looked like. Um, Fast forward uh, 10 years or so, started a family, um, basically uh, retreated a little bit professionally so I could work from home and just had a lot of uh, independent clients, did a lot of freelancing. I taught at Augusta University for a couple of years in their journalism department. I worked at Augusta Magazine for years, writing a column for Augusta Family Magazine, worked on a lot of nonprofit boards, and, and, and really just tried to sort of balance you know, the work, life, home, right. probably a lot of things that people have been dealing with the last few yeah, months. Yeah, 100%. Watching, watching your kids grow, um, keeping them active, and, and really participating in the community, really trying to um, adopt this idea of, like, how do, you, how do you create experiences for people that might not already know each other? Right. They might be in different places in their lives. They might be different value systems. And it was really um, working from home, doing a lot of these things, still navigating and understanding what's kind of going on on the West Coast. You know, when you see the right. Silicon Valley, yeah. you see the innovation, you start seeing the social media stuff come up, Facebook and Google, and just really wanting to sort of tap into that. Because at the end of the day, and, we, and Eric and I talk about this a lot, you know, the, the, the idea of, of people, of what they're doing, it's not geographically based. I mean, when you think about Silicon Valley, it is the people that are there that are sort of thinking in a certain way. And we have those people here. We have them in Augusta, Georgia. Right. And so it was really, again, sort of the planting of the seeds. Like, how do we create that center of innovation here in Augusta, Georgia to attract people, retain the talent, educate them, and have them think about entrepreneurship, technology, business okay. design? Well, not to interrupt in, in any way, which I know is exactly what I'm doing, but, but the idea is that, <laughs> it, well, it's like going with what you're saying, though, is that Silicon Valley, it's not... It's not an actual geographic valley. It's a it's an attitude. It's a mindset. Right. Mm. That's actually something okay. I wanted to bring up with both of you. Having both lived there and also lived here, I would say very similar times, although mm-hmm. a little bit offset. What are some comparables that you can kind of bring for even like Augusta now versus Silicon Valley, you know, maybe even 15 years ago? You know, I, I would say one of the similar things for Augusta now um, versus Silicon Valley in 2000 when I moved there was that you really did feel this sense uh, in Silicon Valley in 2000 that it was on the cusp. Like something, like, it, I, frankly, I moved there in the span of a month after taking a trip. Like and, if you would talk to anybody there, they would be like, we're, we're, we're on the up and up right now. Like, yeah, no, I mean, literally you thought the streets were paved with gold. Okay. Like that, that's okay. how it felt to be in Silicon Valley. I think they still think that. No, I mean, it, it is paved in gold, gold now. now. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. might be literally yeah. true. I haven't gold, been there. Gold is for peasants at this point. <laughs> so, but, but no, the, and I think the thing is um, here, you know, especially around the idea of cyber, there's right. the, the same sort of mindset that like, I mean, 
we have cyber cafes, cyber plumbing, right. yeah. cyber whatever. Cyber like, city. Now. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so, so there's definitely this sense that there's just this massive cash windfall around cyber. And mm-hmm. so how do we take all of that and turn it into something? And I mean, I think that some of the, some of the differences are there's still, I think, a little bit of an overall town mindset difference between Augusta and Silicon Valley. Like yeah. there's, a, there's an absolute, like there's an arrogant confidence in Silicon Valley that like, no, seriously. I don't know if you can have that arrogance in the South. Like, I don't know if I, I've met <laughs> a group of people with, because I know what you're, the Western mindset of like, we are doing 100% the right thing right now. Yeah, no, everyone knows it. There's always, I, I think, like a masked self-doubt here right. that gets in our way. And I think that's the fundamental thing that we're trying to overcome as the clubhouse is okay. how do you really inspire people to have the confidence to just go after something? Because the, the only thing holding them back is their own willingness to, to do it. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. Like they'll say like, oh, I don't have the money to do it. But you know, what's your willingness to go meet with a hundred investors to yeah, get the exactly. money? So, so Grace, do you, would you like to add to that? I know you're probably bursting right now. Well, I think that, um, I mean, I agree with Eric entirely because, because that was the thing, you know, I, I was here prior to him moving back here. So, so I spent, you know, a, a pretty long decade, formative years as an adult watching sort of what was happening downtown between like Artist Row and Fort Discovery moving mm. over and, and you know, the, by the way, Fort Discovery, incredible place. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my kids, my kids love that place. I used yeah. to love that exactly, place. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so, so again, so to me, it's not so much a growth, but almost like a shift. It's like a mm. never ending okay. shift. I mean, we took family pictures at the Georgia Golf and Gardens, which right. is literally where our building is yeah. right now. And so it's, 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 it's just a shift in how we're, gr- in how we're growing in our priorities and, and understanding again, I think with technology, I think like what Eric was talking about with Tesla, like when you're connecting those other people, you're connecting those other cities, you're connecting those other states and those regions, like those barriers in theory should be eliminated. And I think that that's the other thing that, you know, we want to talk about a little bit with the clubhouse is, is what we're doing beyond Augusta, you know, right. what we're doing beyond the Southeast. I mean, the national mm-hmm. landscape for helping entrepreneurs and helping startups, you know, it's, it's great to say like, yeah, the clubhouse is sort of spawning that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those are the, those are the people that again have come through the clubhouse. So, so they come into our space, just like you guys, mm-hmm. you know, you may not know us, you may not understand, you know, our backstory, but then you kind of go out into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're, so in, in some ways it's like a cycle, like we're right. constantly churning our, our, our new members, our alumni, the people that are coming in that are still paying um, years later, they've moved across the country and they still support what we're doing. And so, so everybody that comes through the clubhouse ends up being that person. That's almost like our ambassador. So we have two individuals, we have Eric and Grace, and we have two different stories, and we need to tie them together. So I would like to know right. how y'all how y'all cross paths, and then talk about creating the just clubhouse. the inception, yes, sure. the inception part. Okay, so um, so then I'll regroup back to where <laughs> I was with with that that story, and I'll basically take you from um, me riding a bike all over Augusta, okay. through super happy block party, the White House, and the clubhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with a person named Eric Schmidt. So chairman and, chairman of Google, well, was it, okay. but he, um, he's set up his own private venture capital firm called Innovation Endeavors. Okay. And um, I was fortunate enough during my period of riding a bike all over the city of Augusta to get hired by Innovation Endeavors to be their architect for their headquarters in Palo Alto. And so in the course of doing that project, uh, 
really developed a lot of amazing relationships with the people there. And, and you were living here. I was you were living here remotely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that was my first time doing a Skype interview for a job. So very relatable right now. Yeah, that. no, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, in the course of doing that, I'm falling in love with Augusta and I'm just telling them every single time I go like, Augusta's amazing. You gotta like, you gotta come check out Augusta. Like we're doing all this stuff. There's everything going on at the fourth. There's everything going on at the national lab. There's everything going on at the university. Like, I think there's a lot of potential in this, this city. And so, um, what happened is after they built their headquarters to, to, unveil it to the world, they wanted to organize an event called Super Happy Block Party. And Super Happy Block Party, the idea was it was that it was a street festival where they brought artists, hackers, and entrepreneurs together and tried to create interactive events and components for them to engage with one another. Good idea. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and because they liked me, they asked me to be the innovation architect for the event. And so to figure out what are all those interactive components. Uh, so I did all of that and they said, well, since this event's going to happen and you played such a role, um, you should really come to the event and set up a booth to talk about Augusta. And I was like, well, a booth sounds completely non-interactive. So I'm going to create a fictitious organization called Hack Augusta. And I'm going to go around and I'm going to talk to everybody there at Super Happy Block Party. And I'm going to say all the things that I love about Augusta. And I want you to tell me how would you hack Augusta to create a culture of innovation and collaboration. Hmm. And that's if cool. they answer okay. me, I gave them a T-shirt. Oh, there you go. Okay, like that's that. so you got a lot of answers. Yeah, I got a lot of answers, gave away a lot of T-shirts, and I got a lot of people from Augusta who knew I was going to be there to okay. start tweeting out hashtag Hack Augusta during well, that. Do you remember any of those answers now? Like, do you have any that stick out to you? Um, so Alan Alcorn, uh, who's the guy that uh, from Atari that uh, wrote Pong. The, okay. Wow. Um, so he actually, at that event, also taught me how to code in JavaScript. So that was pretty amazing. At that event. At that event. He sat wow. you down. He was like, yeah. 20 minutes, you're going you're gonna to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, um, but two hours in, later. Right. <laughs> in 20 minutes, I had coded my own chess game. Wow. With Alan Alcorn. So that's incredible. That's really yeah. cool. And, and so he basically, you know, he said, look, stop, stop trying to tell everybody what to do. Just get everybody in your community together, um, host a hackathon, and that's what'll work. And so that's literally what I came back and did. Um, and, and so um, organized a hackathon in the span of a week, got about 35 people in Augusta together. Um, we got space at Enterprise Mill, and we locked ourselves there for a weekend and tried to build a company. And, you know, company failed, obviously, doing something that quick, but, but we developed the start of this culture. And then, um, then after that, we organized this thing called the Hack for Education um, and the CSRA Innovation Festival that was at the old Augusta State University campus in Somerville. Okay. And, um, and then... Um, what when, I, when are we right now? So, so this would be... Um, 2012. Yeah, 2012. September 2012, I think, was the... Some wisdom from Grace. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My memory is a fog. So. I, would say, I would say summer of 2012. Well, summer of 2012 was the first hackathon, yeah. and then the Hack for Education was in the fall. And then in December is when we opened the clubhouse. Okay. And the, one of the huge impetuses behind um, opening the clubhouse was that um, there was also this idea that Super Happy Block Party um, had gotten some attention at a national level. And um, there was a... Uh, Hack for Change um, had 
also wanted to get on board. And so they wanted to create this idea of a national day of civic hacking. And so I got invited along with a bunch of other people around the country that had worked on this um, to go to the White House and pitch the, the concept of a national day of civic hacking, where communities would come together and try to solve the challenges that existed in their communities. And I think, like, I should probably back up because this is starting to go past the point where Grace right, found me. Right, there okay. we go. Because that's it, so, great. Grace, how did you find? Yeah, how did you find Eric? Eric is literally was, all over the country. Right I was now. hoping to hear that you were biking through downtown <laughs> and you ran over Grace. That's what I thought <laughs> was going to happen. Something like it's, it's kind fate, of like, like that. a touch of fate. It's, yes, it's, it's kind. It's, it's that's not too far removed. Okay, okay. so I like this so far. Uh, so, so if you go back to 2012, and 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 you have to imagine, you know, what was Facebook and Twitter? like back then. I mean, this is like Instagram mm. wasn't even around. It's crazy right? saying that's, that's eight years ago. Yeah. That's like, so like crazy. That's how fast things work. Right. And Ancient so, times. Yeah. so I was working, um, for Augusta magazine, um, writing my column. I was teaching, I was juggling freelance work, um, doing PR, really sort of navigating work from home and, and, and still challenged with like, how do I find clients? How do I find more people like me? How do I find people that are doing what I'm doing? Um, getting a little bit frustrated with, with, trying to find that professional peer group in Augusta. That was sort of the niche that I, that I was looking for. And it was, it was early summertime. And um, I had a mutual friend who was also working at the magazine, <clears throat> excuse me, was working for Morris. And, you know, in the, in the beginning stages of Twitter, you, you, you follow your friends, right? You mm -hmm. follow your friends. You see what they're, they're looking at. When you only have 15 or 20 friends in the beginning, you start seeing the same things right. over and over again, right? Like that's the AI thing. Mm -hmm. And so he just happened to um, tweet one day, um, I think he might have retweeted Eric or something about technology in Augusta. And it was literally hashtag Palo Alto Augusta. And you were like, no. Hashtag Palo Alto, <laughs> hashtag Augusta. And I'm like, who does that? <laughs> like, nobody does that. Crazy people. <laughs> and so, you know, I have to follow Eric Parker to see what he's talking about. And he's talking about hack for education. He's talking about National Day of Civic Hacking. He's talking about innovation. He's talking about technology and computers and Silicon Valley. And, and, I'm, and I'm just sort of curious because I, I asked my friends, like, what, what's, the, what's this thing going on? He's like, oh, yeah, I think they're trying to start, like, this group, this kind of club kind of thing. And, and so we, we basically ended up, I think, following each other on Twitter. Did you DM? Was that around DM in 2012? Was, Did you slide into the DMs? Were DMs exchanged? The, 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 uh, the, the DM was, was July 2012. <laughs> okay. And yeah. it was like, hey, we should probably like talk about what's going yeah, on in Augusta. Yeah. Let's have lunch. So we had lunch at Blue Sky Kitchen? Very nice. Blue Sky okay, Kitchen. Okay. Went downtown on the hottest day in July. <laughs> you know, pawned my kids off to some friends for that. And, um, and we really just sort of connected, understanding a little bit about like this backstory of him being in Augusta, going to Silicon Valley, coming back, you know, intermingled with my story of growing up in Silicon Valley. Right. This would be an interesting movie, honestly. And then, like, and, then, and, then and then coming here <laughs> and, and it was basically like, yeah, I'm in like okay. what, whatever this looks like, you know, you can count on me okay. because nobody else was doing this. Right. I mean, when you think about pioneering a new concept in Augusta, Georgia, like that's, that's a huge hill. Right. And, and, and to really think that, you know, not everybody's going to be like, that's a great idea, mm -hmm. you know, or, or how do you do that? Like that, that, that was the speed bumps and the roadblocks and things like that. But we, you know, persevered. We're going on eight years now. Yeah. Of, so we're 2012, really what that means. December, yes. 2012. 
We you guys have DM'd. The clubhouse idea has been somewhat birthed. Planted. It's been planted <laughs> by, ironically, a programmer from Atari, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty That's much. Great. This is incredible. We need to take a break. Yeah, we're going to we take need a quick to plug break. Our community partners, and then we're going to come back and we're going to tell the rest of the story. The Paul Harvey. We're going to talk about the story and what they're doing now. Right. So uh, I'll start off with the little guide of Augusta. Okay. Uh, y'all can look through it right now. This is the 2020, and I believe page 88. Hot you'll, off you'll, the press. By you'll the find way. Uh, the drop the beautiful photography in here. By the way. Oh yes. Um, Thank them for that. Yes. They they sent us a photographer. They took these pictures. Is it they, page 88? It look is at, page 88 and 89. For those of you out in the community, there you, you need to pick one of these up. It's a great read. Right now. Yeah, check There's it out. Some really handsome chaps there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who those are. <laughs> they're gonna, not here. I'm going to have to get your autograph after this. Uh, but what they're talking about is we've got a partnership with uh, Little Guide of Augusta. We are in the Little Guide, but also in the Little Guide, you'll find local restaurants, local businesses, lo- local services. Right. Um, one-stop shop right here. It's free for you, for the consumer to take. They are all, most of them you'll find in like a whiskey bar kitchen downtown. Boutiques. Boutiques. You'll find them. There are tons of them. And if there are, grab one and take it home, put it on your own coffee table. So when you have guests over, it's a great way to showcase the city of Augusta, especially page 88. Go ahead and bookmark that page. Um, but anyways, we just wanted to shout them out. They're doing awesome things in the community. They represent exactly what we're doing here. And it, it was a no-brainer to partner up with them. Right. We talk about local business, support local business, open the little guide, pick a page, support yes. it. Um, now, we have another partnership that we want to talk about. And we have the founders and operators of that partnership in the room with us. And that's, of course, the clubhouse at the Cyber Center. What? what? Uh, right now, the clubhouse represents a co-working space, especially for entrepreneurs and especially for people that are interested in tech, which obviously this whole episode is kind of a, a microcosm of tech in Augusta. Um, but there's more to the clubhouse than just that. There's education, there's support, there's government. You're on a roll. This is exactly what we talk about. And there's there's partnerships with Augusta University. And so we love what you guys represent for the city. We love that you're paving our streets gold uh, in our minds right now. And we hope that uh, you guys just have continued success. Now, you are opening up to the public soon. And I do want you to talk about that while we're here. So... uh, Take it, take it away. Take it from me. Yeah, we are we are very excited that um, because as a community centric organization, um, living, I'll write that down. Living living in a pandemic has been um, a little bit disorienting. Uh, we've done our best to create uh, virtual programs, but June first, we're opening our doors back up so okay. that um, members can. Well, so members have been able to work out of the space, but they're able to bring their guests, take meetings again. Um, where we've redesigned the space so that people can maintain a bit more distance. We require masks when you're in the space uh, just to make sure because we never know who's, b- who's been where. Um, and we reduce the, the, the number of people that are allowed in conference rooms at any given time okay. so that you can maintain distance. Um, but yeah, so doors open back up next week. And, and really, the, this episode will publish on Sunday. Doors open up tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> We're very go. excited. And if you listen to it later, then doors are open. Doors are open. Doors Come are on open. in. Yeah. 
check yep. out the space. Cool space. Right. And we usually tell our guests that if you look through the window, you can see y'all's, all, <clears throat> y'all's building. That's right. That's right. Which is really exciting. That's our favorite part. <clears throat> We're on the third floor, access to the Riverwalk. We got really good coffee. We got really good technology. We, mm-hmm. we really try and provide the assets for people in our community that don't have those readily available for them. And, and so, free masks for members. Free masks for members, Ooh. which we meant to bring one to, for you guys. So It's okay. Hit, hit us I'll up next week. I'll pick mine up later. We've got to pick up our badges. Okay. Right. Badges, masks, and lanyards. So we got, we got a whole a long day at the clubhouse we got a whole swag. <laughs> we got a whole swag bag for you guys when awesome. you come back. We're excited. We're, and speaking of coming back. Yes, we're back. We're back. We uh, never went anywhere, but we're back. Right. Um, we're really excited about talking about the actual clubhouse now. Right. The location you're in now is not where y'all started. And so would that be a good entrance? I, I love this. Okay, let's, so... Let's do the I'm first guessing, two or three years. I'm guessing s- at the beginning it started in Eric's basement. Uh, so <laughs> what, you, what you really need to do is think about... Um, you know, even even the word the clubhouse, right? Okay. And so, if you step back from from what that word might construct in your in your mind, it was this original idea that there were lots of clubs, okay. and I'm kind of putting my hands in quotes here, um, around the city, and they were not connecting, they were not working mm. together, they were doing things and. In basements and libraries and bars and garages. Okay. And so, so, so you're trying to get Eric out of his basement. Yeah. The whole idea of the clubhouse it was was that it was not your basement. Okay. So um, not your average basement. Yeah. So so what happened at that hack for education um, was that went around the room and basically you know at three in the morning said how many of you want to do this anytime you want instead of just at certain events. And 12 people raised their hands and said they'd be willing to pay 100 bucks a month to be a member in a space, which is the exact price of monthly rent on Broad Street at the time. Okay. So, so with that, we that rented was, a space. That was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we got a space at 816 Broad Street where um, one of the barbershops is now. Um, at the time, we were between the, the barbershop and the tattoo parlor right there. And that was where we were making it happen. And so for a month, we had founding members like Grace and... Uh, I guess we ended up with about 18 people who, who actually not only agreed to give that $100 a month, but agreed to go ahead and pay for a full year in advance so that we could pay for construction on the space and wow. rolled up their sleeves to, to build an actual clubhouse. And it was, it was raw, like mm-hmm. as raw as raw can be. <laughs> um, we had shower board on the walls that we could use for whiteboards, um, our conference room, like the it was basically an OSB um, ping pong table that I made with a Hack Augusta logo on it. Was our conference room table, and um, and we built our de- own desks out of two by fours. And we pulled a lot of stuff from our own basements and attics. Right. You know, probably put a lot more uh, sweat equity, obviously, in into this organization. And this was 2012. This was 2012 yeah, okay. on Broad Street behind the James okay. Brown statue. Um, you know, being downtown was really important to us yes. as, a, as a, not only as an organization, but as a community, because we knew that, 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 you know, in the economy, you know, circling your wealth locally is really, really important. It's right. impactful. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to benefit the restaurants and the retail spaces, um, the, the companies that were downtown already, we wanted to be there for them, you know, socially, you know, hosting events for their staff and their teams. Um, we wanted to be inclusive, and so anybody could come into our space. We did, we did a lot of free events for people. Even though we had a core membership, we were still very much um, open, open-ended to helping our community 
and again, the kind of the education space as well as the, the innovation and technology space. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. There's like, there's way more than I think we could unpack in, right. in an episode. So you stop me anytime. There's levels. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the, when we first started, so that that Hack for Education, one of the projects that we developed was, it was really how do you provide free internet in a neighborhood? And so what we did is we used our membership uh, when we first opened the doors to underwrite the cost of providing free internet in Harrisburg. And so um, we actually, within the span of two weeks after we opened, we were at 45 members. And it's like, wait, this might be a legit thing that we're, that we're doing here. And, and so, um, so we were able to use that money so that we could set up uh, antennas in Harrisburg and buy a bunch of Raspberry Pis for kids in the neighborhood. And, and try to operate that. We, I honestly realized that being an ISP is really challenging. And so we kept that project going for about two years. Um, but, you know, that, that was one of the things we, we did there. Um, every Friday, we would host what was called First Friday Hackathon, you know, keeping that idea of the hackathon really alive and well and trying to bring as many people as we could downtown. Um, every Friday between 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., you had to build whatever you wanted, either by yourself or in a team. And at the end of it, we all presented the things that we made and, That's cool. and voted on what we thought was the best. And we would give away, you know, stupid little prizes for it. <laughs> um, but basically, then everyone would go hit the bars downtown and have a great time. Okay. That's really cool. That's awesome. So how long were you guys in that space on Broad Street? Two years. We, were, um, we moved in in 20, 2012. And we moved out of the building in um, 2014. Okay. During the um, during that two year period, we sort of raised the bar in a lot of ways with our events and our community building. And so our first Friday hackathons, you know, we 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 adopted First Friday, right? So everything Absolutely. else that was going on First Friday, we ended up sort of being at like one end of Broad Street, and people would sort of make their way up and down. Um, one of the things that 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 I remember talking with Eric in the early days was um, challenging myself to, to, to do bigger and better events. And so we mutually talked about the idea of like, wow, we should do a TEDx event in Augusta, Georgia. Right. And if you're familiar with TED events and mm -hmm. TEDx, I, I really had no idea um, the magnitude of what that would take and what that would look like. And I basically remember thinking one day, okay, I can do this, but it's going to have to be a team effort. It's going to mm -hmm. have to be something that the clubhouse sort of puts their signature on. It wasn't going to be about Grace organizing right. this event. And so... Um, and, and Grace, you were the events director for the clubhouse originally, or what was your role originally? Well, you know, it's interesting because we started out as, a, like Eric said, um, poning up money um, individually as a member organization. And, and we created it. It was an LLC at the time. And understanding sort of the scope of a business, it, it wasn't a model that was really sustainable. And what we found was that there was a lot of community. <laughs> it was a horrible business model. <laughs> I was trying to be polite here. But, but what we found was there was a lot of community interest in it. There was right. a lot of um, philanthropy available. There okay. was a lot of outcomes related to, to, to giving and, 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 and that sort of thing. And so we were able to sort of evolve into a nonprofit. We really shifted the, 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 the mission and the goals and the outcomes of the organization. We applied for nonprofit. We got some really, really great grassroots support to get our application in. It took almost a year for our application to be approved. I mean, that's at the federal level to, to get that happening. I think it's quicker now. But in the interim, 
we, we kept doing events. We kept doing um, fundraisers. Um, our sweat equity was, was, was huge. I mean, we're talking like five, six figures here because we were not getting paid to get this thing off of the ground. Right. But it really allowed us to um, talk about Augusta, talk about downtown, talk about innovation. Um, all, of the, all of the events we did, we were meeting more and more people, new people. They were kind of on the sidelines thinking like, wow. I wonder what this thing is. Maybe we'll, you know, give it a second or okay. third chance kind of thing. And, you know, we applied for some grants. We didn't get them. Um, we got some sponsors. We did something called a tech crawl during Westaboo where That's we cool. actually did. It was sort of like a bar hop for a bunch of tech companies downtown. And it was it was during that time period when we did our first TEDx event. And if it, and again, it was it was daunting. It, it, it snowed three days beforehand, and, and we were on the cusp of getting canceled. What are the odds wow. of that? Yeah, <laughs> it was in January, and and I and I remember picking January specifically because like there's not a lot happening in Augusta right. in January. And um, you know, a testament to Eric and our team, you know, putting it all together, having a hundred people, which we needed to have to continue our license. Um, going to Canada to get our uh, a second license so that we could do TEDx Augusta. It's kind of a long story, but in the interim, um, you know, one of our our volunteers was a board member, and um, he he invited us to consider the academy. Okay. The 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 old Richmond that Academy. Old, wow. Which which was kind of what chapter three? Is maybe? that where chapter you held four? it? <laughs> What's that? Is that where you held the TEDx event? Where did you hold no, it? No, uh, so no. We, it was we at the were, library. Yeah. Okay, so so okay. our first event was at the was the Augusta Library. Okay. And and it was after that that we started having conversations with the trustees about the academy. Okay. And part of it was because we were sort of bursting at the seams on Broad Street. Mm. I mean, we went from. 3,000 square feet to 18,000 square feet. Okay. Yeah, we were starting to talk about buying the building that we were in so that we could use all three floors of it because it just, yeah, the it, it was going okay. crazy. So you moved, you moved because of space. That makes, you know, I, I think we can all pretty much get behind that. What was the next move for the clubhouse off of Broad Street? So uh, we moved into the old Richmond Academy building. So we took over an 18,000 square foot schoolhouse. I think it's the oldest surviving schoolhouse this side of the Mississippi River in, in America on the National Historic Register. And that's, right. that's not the building that ARC is currently in on Walton Way, right? No, it's the okay. one across from, from the municipal building on Telfair Street. And okay, so, gotcha. So we ended up you know, getting that 18,000 square foot schoolhouse and three acres was at two or three acres of parade grounds that were now the clubhouse and and try to figure out, you know, one, how do we stop 35 leaks in the roof, but also <laughs> how do we grow an organization? And, and so we went through really, I, I think, a little bit of an identity crisis there because um, I think like a lot of nonprofits, we started taking on everything that would come our way. So we were doing summer camps for kids, um, as well as trying to grow a co-working space and run accelerator programs and partner with, you know, Georgia Tech to do different stuff. So, so we just started getting really spread thin. And you have to understand for like the first five years of the organization, Grace and I both worked as volunteers for free. And so right. like you start hitting this point where you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because we've got to mm -hmm. find a business model because, you know, that California money starts dwindling very fast when you're not making money, even with Augusta's cost of living. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were still doing some condoma projects on the side and I was still doing some freelancing things. And so we were making it, making it work, but it was really, like Eric said, upping the ante. Um, we, we did get some good grants and, and we did have, you know, we, 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 we ran like a startup. I mean, we were really scrappy even in, mm -hmm. in a big building with, you know, our first employee, 
um, just the furniture that we use, the the donations that we got. And um, going back to your original question in this in okay. this next in this session was once we became the nonprofit, I became the executive director gotcha. for okay. the nonprofit, okay. and so I was sort of able to to sort of lead lead some of that development work. Um, and that was 2014 ish. That, that was about okay. 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so then really our big break came, and it goes back to what we talk about with like you just have to believe in yourself, and you have to have a lot of confidence in, in that. And so um, we started talking about this concept of, you know, how really collaboration is more powerful than competition and that the, the basic way that we've organized our society is around what we were calling a hub and spoke network model where everybody's trying to be the central hub of any given activity and that there's this network that then has to pass through you. And so therefore you're able to charge whatever toll or tax on whatever transaction, whether that's communications or actual goods that are that are passing through you. And so that cities themselves also really then try to put forth this notion of we're the hub of whatever and organizations do it. We all do it. Um, but we started talking about the idea of using a mesh networking model that was more similar to how the internet itself works, that everything is built on these collaborative nodes. And that's really how you develop a more robust network that has more value for everybody. And um, so we started going on a speaking circuit, first around the Southeast, um, talking about this. And then we actually got accepted to speak at South by Southwest about the idea of a mesh network of innovation. And and so when we were at South by Southwest, we actually had the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation approach us. And they said, this is really interesting. Um, this could be a new model for how, you know, small and mid-sized cities in America are able to be, you know, be competitive economically uh, where they can be viable and it can improve public health. And so if you can tell us how a mesh network improves public health, then we'll fund your organization. Wow. And yeah, that, that that's, was that so was, that's a big that, that was a, that, that was another game changer for yeah, us. So that, to get to get that kind of funding to sort of underwrite incredible. us professionally as an organization, um, to sort of nudge us along in that space, the uh, the idea that we would connect and and some of the stuff is is literally connecting to other cities. You know, other cities doing what we're doing. I mean, part of the speaking circuit was was people looking at Augusta, right, mm-hmm. and seeing the clubhouse and thinking like, how do we do that in our city? Right. You know, if we don't have a space like Which that. Which is a cool sentence, by the way. You know, how do we copy Augusta? Exactly, how exactly. How do we innovate and, like Augusta? And so that yeah. was that was a lot of our talking points, our slide deck. And we went to Dig South. We went to Geek End. We did a ton of stuff in Atlanta. We were invited back to the White House, um, the Nation of Makers. And so there was really this... this um, spawning of a new identity, so to speak, for, for, for taking the model of what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants their own identity in their city. Like, we don't want you to be Augusta, but we want you to sort of take the bones of what we've created mm-hmm. as a community in innovation and think, like, you can find these people. These people are there. Right. Let's help you with that toolkit, you know, to, to figure out what that looks like. So I'm curious, we're at 2014 now, correct, in the old uh, Richmond Academy building. And now... 2020, you're in the off Reynolds Street. So how did y'all get into that building? How did y'all create that partnership? I'm guessing going around on your speaking, someone heard you. Yeah. Well, so I'll give a lot of credit to Karen Nixon. Um, okay. I don't know if you've ever had her on the podcast, but I think well, she would be fascinating for writing you. Writing it down now. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so Karen Nixon, uh, she uh, was deep. Copenhaver's assistant when he was mayor and then she went to work for the university and um, I had actually made you know it's funny all these things really come back to like random posts on the internet but um, (laughs) I had made a post on Facebook about just 
being really frustrated that no matter like all this work that we had do, been doing that we still weren't able to like break through in the certain way that I felt like we, we needed to as an organization and that the city deserved. And so she shared that with um, Michael Schaefer at, um, at the time, Augusta University, um, who's now the um, head of the Georgia Cyber Center. And um, Michael and I just started having breakfast um, on a monthly basis. That's a great breakfast to have. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Michael would tell me all about um, the idea of like, hey, there's this golf and gardens property that, you know, we get access to as the university. And we want to do something there that's, you know, innovative. And so if you can help us do that, then I want to help you too. And so we just kept kicking that back and forth. And, um, and then honestly, like the cyber center thing just popped, like, holy crap, like this thing came out of, even from my perspective, it felt like nowhere. And so then all of a sudden I felt like I was a little bit on the outside looking in, but I just, I kept like having the breakfast with Michael. I was like, Michael, we really need to be there. Michael, we really need to be there. How do we make this work? And, um, and so then they actually made us one of the partner tenants when they first opened the building. Um, you know, they actually had Grace, uh, you know, digging the dirt next to Governor Deal to, to do the groundbreaking. And so, so we've been, I think, an integral part of growing that culture of innovation and collaboration now for the entire Georgia Cyber Center. And I, I think that they really look at us as what's that initial Petri dish of activity where there's... Uh, you know, some interesting things that then, you know, we try to elevate it to a certain level and then they've got like the cyber Valley space. And then, you know, their hope is that, you know, they'll fill up building two and then build building three and maybe a four who knows, but, um, but it's become a great partnership and it's really opened us up to partnering more with the university. In addition to um, the move. So it'll be, it'll be two years next month, right? Okay. July 1st was 2018. We moved there. And I would say that, you know, the conversations when you think about between 2014 and 2018, you know, the, the, the expansion of what we were doing at the academy, like Eric said, kind of spread us a little bit thin. Um, you know, we, we increased our membership. We increased our outreach. We brought on more staff. We started a code school. You know, we started a 12-week boot camp. And that was, again, sort of to, 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 to fit this narrative of, like, we have tech companies in Augusta. Uh, we need to help grow our talent. How do we do that? And that was a model that we'd seen in other parts of the country that we're also doing it. It was this intense 360 hours and then placing people in those jobs locally. Um, serendipitously, they can now do those jobs remotely as well. And so that that is another one of the programs that, that got launched in our space that we've been able to, to also tap into moving to the Georgia Cyber Center. And so we had this this kind of 12 months sort of overlap where we transitioned away from the academy building into the cyber center and in and, and the activities in there. And then I think with this pandemic, we're also making kind of another shift as well. Again, going back to kind of like what started the clubhouse. Okay. So, so you guys have been in three total buildings mm-hmm. in eight years and you partnered with, among others, the Canadian government, <laughs> Augusta University, and and some huge national and international companies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, is there any part of this that I'm leaving out? I mean, I think I think the the um, the thing that that I think again is sort of exciting for us is is you know pre pandemic we were um, and we're still in the process of expanding our code boot camp mm-hmm. and so looking at locations outside of Georgia we have some um, interest 
in California and other cities in the, around the southeast um, going into our project, which I know Eric will talk about in a few minutes, uh, really tapping into the into the um, the wealth of information and the access to capital for our startups and entrepreneurs to continue to to have those conversations, really trying to to bridge that gap and yeah. getting people to understand like we have these things in Augusta and between the space, the community, and the investment, that that goes back to the core. Of, of what the clubhouse is and what we do and what we're really good at. You guys are kind of the blueprint for the tech startup in Augusta, um, where otherwise there really hasn't been one in this region, even though now, obviously, your business model has changed so much that so you present yourself in a totally different way. If you look at your background, it really looks like, you know, a tech startup, like we didn't have other jobs. You know, we did this all the time. We weren't really sure what our business model was. We refined, we changed, we moved, we grew our partnerships. I think that's really cool. Um, I want to talk about what you guys are going to get into in the future, but I just cut Chris off. So it's before I'm going to let him talk. You know, before we go into the future, if there's anybody I'm, for our listeners out there that might have an idea, you know, and they want to start something up, could you kind of just take them through what they need to do to, you know, start that, to walk up into your building like Maybe if I'm going to start a tech company and kinda, I go to you guys, like what's let, it happen? Let them know what they need it, what kind of money they need to invest in to have a uh, membership. Let's go ahead okay. because I believe that a lot of our listeners on this episode will be interested in doing something like that, especially post COVID nineteen. This is a time to start a business. And actually, Chris, you're, you, I just want to say how right you are because in 2008, one of the things that I've heard most, and you guys might correct me, but I don't think you will is that a lot of companies started in that time because people were having difficulties and they said, okay, I'm going to work for myself now. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, it seems like you guys have an opportunity. Yeah, this is Entrepreneurship launches during recessions, right. during, during crises. You, you, you have no idea. Yeah, it was like right when the shelter in place first hit, the, the first post that I made online was, this is the moment we were built for. Just exactly. Because this is, this, is, this is when entrepreneurship... Um, really thrives in a country because like in, in all sincerity, one of our biggest challenges to growing entrepreneurship in Augusta over the last few years has been that the economy has been so good that right. people don't want to leave their six figure cybersecurity jobs to go start a scrappy bootstrapped, you know, tech startup. Um, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense for your own economic security. But, um, but right now it's kind of like, what else are you going to do? Like, what problem do you see out there in the world? And, and then, you know, what we want to do is really try to help you vet whether there's customers for that idea mm -hmm. and help connect you to the talent so that you can build it. And if you want to become a member in the clubhouse, um, actually, we have membership rates that start at 20. But to, I think really to get the most value out of it, like $50 a month, it's a part-time membership. You can come into the space. You can come participate in different events that we have. And for $150 a month, you've got a full-time membership, a place where you can come work every day. You don't have to pay for your internet, your power, or anything. It's like you basically, you've got a, you've got a desk where you can come in. Um, and then if you want full 24-7 access, then uh, we've got reserved desks or private offices that you can get that, that are more expensive. Um, but for most people, I, I think that that $150 a month level is really all they need to get connected in with with all the resources. What are some of the companies you guys have working out of the clubhouse right now? So uh, I'm going to be honest, the, the one that I am most excited about is actually moving back to the clubhouse next week or this week, this week. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so one of our, one of our early startups that uh, was founded out of the space is called Moonrise. 
And Moonrise is a, um, it's basically a digital staffing agency for um, unskilled labor. And um, Moonrise was started by Eric Harrison, who was uh, one of our early members in the space. And they actually uh, got bought by American Family and moved to Chicago. Wow. And like... Pretty big company at this. This point. is a real startup. Yeah, this is real tech startup. And so uh, he's moving back here this week uh, and opening up Moonrise South in our space. That's incredible! Wow. Yeah, he's one of our, he's one of our alumni. Full networks. circle. He's he left he left he left and came back. So we're we're excited. He's he's been on our board. He's been an advisor for us. He helps mentor our code school students. I mean, he's been a real advocate for us from the beginning. Um, you know, maybe he'll be on your show and then you can ask him about his clubhouse tattoo. Ooh. Ooh. So talk about loyalty. That's cool. That is a (laughs) good line. So some people, uh, would agree or disagree that a co-working space is not good, but I would have to disagree because this podcast would not be where it is if I did not have a part or someone to bounce off ideas with. So what I felt like when I came into y'all space People become friends in there and feel comfortable with saying, hey, what do you think about this idea? It's an open co-working space, so you build the best business you can, and I, I think that can be done in your space very easily. Yeah, if you think about you know big companies, like a lot of their competitive, competitive advantage is that they now have this culture where there's a lot of employees that are there, bright people working on things, and they're bouncing ideas off of one another. Um, in a co-working space, you get all the benefits of that, but none of them are your actual coworkers, so you don't have to deal with all the politi- politics and crap right. of like a normal office space. It's just kind of like if you don't want to work with them, don't because they don't have anything to do with you. Right. Um, but for the most part, it's it's a culture where people really want to support each other in in growing growing their business and growing their understanding. And and a lot of people are doing business with each other in the space as well. So we have you know a lot of our members most of their first business is either from clubhouse members or the clubhouse itself. Like we pride ourselves on being a first customer for a lot of the businesses that come through our space simply because what we try to do is to help understand your business by being your customer and giving you like real honest feedback about what that experience is like. That's awesome. I think also with the, um, you know, shelter in place initiatives, whether it's temporary or long-term, you know, you're still going to have people either working for their companies and not going into those offices for one reason or another, or they might be working from home, but being home is not the ideal space to actually run their company. And so the clubhouse, like I said, is even shifting in its physical space. When you co- when you guys come in next week, you're going to see some changes in terms of like social distancing with the desks. Um, a lot of our events are virtual now, and so you can get online and you can participate in them. We have some private member-only experiences. Um, we have our job board. And so even if you think about this idea like, oh, I can't be in this like physical space with people, there's still another virtual community, and you're connecting those members in Augusta using technology, being in business or design, and they're seeing that the clubhouse has value versus the like, oh, I need to sit at this desk every day. Right. Because that that to me is also what 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 distinguishes us from just, you know, renting a desk or renting an office somewhere else because you don't have the, the virtual community that exists. Because at the end of the day, you guys are trying to find customers. We're trying to find customers. So, so you're having that sort of banter right. with other people. I mean, we're going to be feeding you lots of talent just to, just to be on your very podcast. Right. We would, we're, we're looking very that. excited about that. And we've already had, um, you know, Keith Edmondson, mm-hmm. uh, Augusta yeah. Sports Leagues, who works out of the clubhouse. We're excited to have more people. 
Um, I want to ask one more question, and I think we'll kind of put a bow on this with you guys talking about the future and answering the drop the disc question. Um, you guys are doing a lot of virtual events right now, and I also would like to say everybody is doing a lot of virtual events right now. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. What is something that you guys are innovating about virtual events to make them better? Oh. Um. I think the yeah. thing that thank the th you for saving me on that. One. <laughs> I mean, I think that the, the signature. I wouldn't have asked if Grace wasn't here, by the way, because I know I knew she would have an answer. Yeah. Well, I think that um, and and it and again, at the end of the day, you know, we're a membership organization, so you have access to people, you know, that 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 you can banter with, um, whether it's Zoom or Google Me. And so, one of the things that we're that we've been literally doing since Broad Street is our founder circle. And so Founder Circle is intended for those people that have started their own companies, and it's a peer-to-peer -peer network. So if you think about like AA, you come in in the safe space to really dive deep into you know, who are your customers, how are you getting paid, what are your challenges, and then you have that support network. And you're not going to get that from some you know, virtual Zoom that's just open to, to kind of everybody in the community that's sort of free. And so what we've done is we've shifted it. Um, it used to be once. It used to be once a week. We shifted it to once a month, and we moved it back to once a week. And now what we've done is we sort of curated it so that uh, once a month we have a, we invite a select few of the founders to really come in and have a more deep dive talk about what they're doing in their business. And I'm I, we did it a few weeks ago, and I was amazed at um, the banter that existed for them to really shed some sort of you know, ego to really be vulnerable about like, you know, my, my, my supply chain from China is getting really disrupted or, you know what, I had to drive to Florida twice last month to take care of this thing. And, and, and like, there's not really a space to really do that because you're already, you're already kind of in this like maybe superficial space of like, Oh, I'm killing it and I'm doing a great job. But really this is, a, this is a safe space to talk about your company. Yeah. The other part that I think is actually better about founder circle now that it's virtual, um, is that, um, You've heard us talk about like places all over North America at this point. Um, so we've got a network that's pretty vast, but it's hard for that network to come and really participate and help entrepreneurs in Augusta in person. Uh, but since the pandemic, it's been really easy to book like that's true. really successful yeah, great speakers. Yeah. Okay. And, and so what we do every single week or no, every time we do Founder Circle now, Instead of having just a free-for-all conversation, uh, what we do is try to curate two critical questions from entrepreneurs so we can spend a half an hour on each one. And then we have those guests really deep dive with them about like, okay, so let's try to understand your, your issue. Okay. Well, sign me up. I'll be at the next one. So I'm really excited because to me, the clubhouse has come full circle where I, I, my motivation to begin with was around venture creation. And it was really started in 2008. So you're kind of like, you know, in your mind at least, yeah. you know, you're kind of full circle that way too. Yeah. I mean, they always say it takes like 15 years to build a city and everyone's like, yeah, but we're just getting started. I'm like, no, we're not. Like we've been at it for a while. So, um, right. but point being is, um, you know, that Robert Wood Johnson Foundation grant also came full circle because we built a lot of relationships with the Department of Public Health and our local health systems. And so uh, when the, pandemic hit and the PPE shortages were hitting, um, we were approached on a few things. One was, can we reverse engineer a ventilator? Um, so we got one team working on that. Can we build intubation boxes? So we had another team work on that. And then can we address the N95 mask shortage? And so the N95 mask shortage has become real. It's actually turning into its own startup at, at this point in time. So we developed, um, and 
that you guys take a look at it. Yeah, maybe we, we, we'll post a picture, but yeah. you brought some masks yeah. in to show us. So oh, that's cool. So these are, it's right now they're 3d printed masks that are reusable. They can be disinfected. And, um, and then we developed our own filter cartridge that goes inside of that. Wow. Okay. Um, so you can just change out the filter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can change okay. out the filter every day. Uh, we've been able to solve all the supply chain issues related to it. So it's less than $2 a day to get a mask. Um, We've gone through testing with our filters um, with Georgia Tech. Uh, basically, we've gone through everything related to this, and we're, we're trying to get our FDA approval um, for it right now. Um, until then, we're still able to sell them out to the general public. So what we're trying to do right now is take uh, at least 1,000 pre-orders so that we can do uh, tooling for injection molding and scale up the manufacturing of this. And the idea is that people can sign up for a filter subscription um, they actually would get a free mask when they do that, and then they're covered for, you know, as long as the crisis is here to okay. be able to breathe. That's incredible. Which, like, you did not probably predict that avenue of business last No, year. no. Like, in all seriousness, when the shelter-in-place first started, I was like, sweet, I'm getting my bike ride routine back, and right. I was going for a ride every day, and then I got this call, and I've been working 18 hours a day for two months, you know, launching a company. So, and it's not just me. There's... 15 volunteers from okay. across the community that are working on this. Uh, we're meeting this afternoon to take our first socially distanced uh, team photo of everyone. Nice. So, yeah. Everyone spread their arms and, like, yeah. almost touch hands. F figure out right. your, your your safe area. We, and we've created <laughs> our, our whole team, you know, having to pull back from doing events and things at the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've turned into a courier service. We've turned into mm -hmm. a 3D printer. We've met manufacturers, you know, locally and nationally um, talking about the mass product that we're doing. Um, people that we've never talked to before. We've gotten written up in some national manufacturing magazines just about how the maker movement and, and the makers in our community, which is one of the pillars of our of our membership, has really stepped up, you know, to 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 basically do this do this job that that isn't being done by other people either around the world or around the country. We it's, even had Canada tweeting about us yesterday. We did. We you guys did. in Canada. You, you guys, guys must be tight with Canada. They're, they're real friendly people. Next eh? time you go up, bring me back some poutine. Poutine. Oh okay. Right. That and <laughs> we'll maple, maple syrup. So yeah, it really is a, a testament to to our team and our community and, and the clubhouse in, in terms of full cycle of you know, there was a problem. How do we solve the problem? Who's our competition? How are we going to source our materials? What are we marketing it with? What's our price point? What's, you know, the wholesale price? What's the retail price? So we're, we're going through those same exercises that we're asking our members to go through when they, when they want to start a company. You right. know, why would they want to join the clubhouse? Well, these are the kinds of, you know, questions that we're, that we're asking ourselves every day, mm -hmm. you know, um, talking to IP people, getting, getting approval, getting all the legalese taken care of, putting up the website, you know, accessing our social media. Every one of those things for a startup as an entrepreneur is like, go, you need to do those. And so, so this again is sort of a testament to, to why we started the clubhouse and, and what we continue to, to evolve. Um, and, and the mass product project in and of itself is its own company. Okay. Yes. Uh, so y'all know that this podcast is all about shedding the light that this city casts. Uh, but it's covered up by that one term that has been floating around for years. And it, that term is disgusta, which, which our podcast, the name drop the Dis is basically getting rid of that vocabulary in the city. And um, I think what y'all are doing is exactly just that. And you had said earlier, um, you know, a community can grow when people are working together and not competing. Uh, and I think that 
that word disgusta came with that mentality of competing with one another. So what, what I'm asking is, what does drop the diss mean to you, taking away the diss? If someone were to walk up to you and just start talking negatively about this city, what would your response be to them? And so whoever would like to go first, that would be, you know, whoever. Let's ladies, have, let's ladies have first. Grace go first. Ladies first. I would, I would say that um, some of it's just an attitude adjustment, right? Some of it is, is understanding sort of the backstory of where they got to that point where they might actually think think something along those lines. I think um, Augusta is a great place to raise a family. I think it's very affordable. I think there are lots of great people here. I think things like what you guys are doing is really, really important. I mean, uh, the narrative of like, you know, what were you guys doing five years or 10 years ago? Sometimes it's just it's just a, another generation that coming through, right. accessing technology, you know, being open-minded, um, taking, you know, what, what you guys learned growing up here, maybe going off like Eric leaving and then coming back, you know, you have another perspective, you know, you have a sense of maturity about, about where the city is going. You know, some of the things, you know, watching the ebb and flow in downtown, it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a dawn of a new era. And I mean, there's a cycle to it as well. I mean, nobody wished the pandemic upon it. Nobody wished for, you know, main street stores to, to close, but let's figure out how to like, keep everybody functioning, keeping everything moving. And then you don't have this competitive nature. It's more like, hey, you know what? This worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. You know, how can I help you? Because helping you ultimately helps me. So that's the perspective I want them to have. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Grace. I would be really simple. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you. So if you're going to consider it disgusta, then why the hell would anyone care about your, your city? or you and anything that you create from it. So we have to move beyond that and we have to believe in ourselves. And that's exactly what y'all did eight years ago. Y'all believed in yourselves and here's the clubhouse now with the Georgia Cyber Center, which is awesome. The ultimate Augusta startup, which by the way, may end up being the name of this episode. Sweet. I like that one. I appreciate Uh, it. Thank y'all for coming. This has been a blast. Um, we're excited about the partnership that we have with y'all and want to continue. Maybe we can start getting some breakfast, you know, maybe right, right. you'll be my Schaefer. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, this is you, probably, you, that's going to be my new hashtag. Be my Schaefer. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this is probably one of the best midday conversations I've ever had. So uh, thank you guys both for coming on. Seriously. Well, our pleasure. You. We're looking forward to hearing it and then we'll share it with our community as well. Love thank it. You so much. Next Sunday. Well, this Sunday. This Sunday. Grace, Eric, thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. Hey guys, I uh, hope you liked that episode with Grace and Eric. Um, They are with the clubhouse. Next week's episode is going to be our first Augusta's tiny desk. And that is going to be with Joe Stevenson. Um, Very excited about that episode. And is there anything to add about him that we need to? Joe Stevenson's awesome. Uh, He puts on uh, a lot of the concerts that you guys probably know and love. Rock for Joe. Uh, He's also in multiple bands. So we, we have one of the most talented people that we could possibly probably ask for in Augusta. Right. Kicking off this amazing series. Right. So he's going to play us a couple songs and we're excited about that. We're excited about that. Uh, If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you liked this episode, number one, tell a friend, have somebody listen to us. If you didn't like the episode, give the next one a shot. You'll probably like the next one. Um, And please do rate us, review us, share us, whatever way feels best for you 
we really appreciate it and it'll help more people to find our show all right guys that's a wrap that is a wrap 